and welcome everyone to another edition of the Pensburg Podcast. I am your host, Garrett Behanna. Joined alongside me, as always, is Hooks Orpic, Jim Rixner. Jim, how are you doing? Doing great. Welcome everybody, episode 44. And I'll let you go first, Garrett. Who's your favorite 44 in Penguins franchise history? Oh boy, you know, there's one 44 that comes to mind, Jim. I think I'm going to save it for you. So, uh, you know... There are a couple of names on this list that are very much before my time. So to save everyone a tangent and possible embarrassment, I'm just going to go with the most recent 44 and probably, I would assume, the shortest lived number 44 in Penguins history, Eric Goodbranson. Nice pick. Yeah. And thanks for that. I'll go ahead. I'll take Brooks Orpik, the now second longest tenured defenseman in franchise history behind Chris Letang. Can't go wrong with the shutdown defender in Brooks Orpik. Jim, we have, uh, since we've last met, I think it's been a little over uh, two months since uh, our last episode of the Pennsburg podcast went out. And uh, during that time, we, we've, we've been able to um, settle down, simmer down as, you know, we, we've now come to accept the fact that uh, the Penguins were eliminated by the Montreal Canadiens and rather unceremoniously fashion we've uh, had time to look forward as the nhl's 2019-2020 regular season and postseason has come to an end the the tampa bay lightning are your 2019-2020 stanley cup champions and um in what has been a crazy year for really probably everybody who is listening to this uh the nhl is no different and really jim after the stanley cup champion tampa bay lightning were crowned all eyes turned towards the NHL draft and impending NHL free agency. So, uh, Jim, we, we, we had heard throughout, uh, by the time the Penguins had gotten eliminated, between now and then, that the Penguins were going to be active in uh, both of these markets and trying to, uh, trying to get, in Jim Rutherford's words, younger, faster, maybe even a little bit cheaper, so let's start out with probably the biggest piece of news to talk about is uh, Matt Murray, the two-time Stanley Cup winning goaltender for the Pittsburgh Penguins, was traded on day two of the NHL draft to the Ottawa Senators for their second-round pick, pick number 52 overall, and a forward prospect in Jonathan Gruden. And Jim, we had talked about it ad nauseum on the podcast before the trade, um, and like I said, we had a little bit of a break. We're up and running again now. We knew this trade was coming. We just didn't know for what or who, what team he was going to. Now we know. Matt Murray joins the Ottawa Senators. Um, Jim, uh, let's just get your thoughts. Um, how do you feel about the return that the Penguins got for Matt Murray? And uh, if you want to, I don't know if you want to call it a eulogy. He is not obviously dead, but you know, for his years of service and bringing championships back to Pittsburgh, how will you remember uh, Matt Murray's tenure here in the Steel City? Right. It it was a long time coming, and the buildup. I think I knew it was headed towards that. And when you think about Matt Murray, I think the first thing you're going to think about is that 2016 and the 2017. Springs, those Stanley Cup runs where he was so good in the playoffs, winning all those series that he played and helping the Pens win the Cup, being on the ice for two Stanley Cup clinching games in which he was very, very good. And that that's going to be his memory, I think. Um, 
obviously the past few years he was up and down. He was actually pretty good in 2018. He gets forgotten about, but clearly 2019-20 was Murray's worst season. And look, we see that with goalies. Some years they're really good. Some years they're really bad. And it can fluctuate and variate with really no rhyme or reason seemingly as to predict. So I, I think there still could be a good chance that he goes on and is a good goalie. He's only 26 years old. He's obviously now going to be sharpened and motivated, you would think, by a new change of scenery and and having really a chip on his shoulder to prove people wrong who think maybe his best days are already behind him. So that's good for him. That's probably, you know, just moving along is good. As far as the return, look, uh, the Penguins got what they could. We saw six weeks ago the Penguins acted early and traded their first-round pick for Kasperi Kapanen. And not long after, there were reports that Pittsburgh was looking to get a first-rounder back for Matt Murray. And that wasn't the case. We saw they held out all the way until draft day and traded Murray for a mid-second-round pick. And given the circumstances, that's the best they could have done, really. There's no other better offers. Jim Rutherford even said something like, I took the best offer I had, the only real offer I had. And if you look around the... The unrestricted goalie market is just so flooded with names, whether it's Henrik Lundqvist, Corey Crawford, Anton Hudobin, Braden Holtby, and on and on and on. You have all these good goalies that, or, you know, good goalies in reputation at least, that are going to be out there and that teams are looking for. And teams don't have a lot of money to spend, really, I think, with some of the rumors we saw with Chicago looking in on Murray, but they couldn't give him a contract that he agreed with, so they didn't want to trade for him. And I think that makes sense because Matt Murray is not a guy who needs to sign a five-year deal right now with with a low cap number that's not going up and all that stuff so it it even though Ottawa's an also run team and they're not they don't have a good reputation and no one really likes them I think it's a great spot for Murray because they're a young team there's no expectations on them and teams rise and fall in the NHL all the time and no one really stays bad forever the senator were a good team a few years ago they made it far they dropped all those players but they picked up a ton of high draft picks they have a ton of young prospects that are coming up through the ranks so you never know if he signs there for a one two three year deal or something like that he gets his act together then he could either stay there or test the free agent market again maybe when the salary cap's going up and find himself a new home so at the end of the day i think it worked out as good as it could have for all parties involved yeah, uh, just to put a bow on this, Jim, I completely agree with you. Uh, I don't think after – I mean, you alluded to it saying that the goalie market was going to be flooded. Uh, teams are obviously operating differently this year than they le- probably would have in past years due to the flat salary cap, and many teams are looking to shed salary. Uh, I don't know if the return of a first-round pick was really ever – um, a, a realistic possibility for Matt Murray. I know Jim Rutherford was probably trying to do his best car salesman pitch and trying to persuade general managers to get that uh, that, that first round pick to get back into the first round. But uh, I, I really never was holding my breath for a first round pick in return. I felt like the the second round pick, you know, it, 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 the and the and the forward prospect Jonathan Gruden. I think it's a fine return if 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 Gruden can pan out to be. Uh, I, I don't think he's going to pan out to be a, a superstar. To, and, you know, he, for being 20 years old, you know, who knows where the Penguins will be and he will be in his development two, three, four years from now. So that's a story for another time. But, Jim, uh, let's segue. You, you brought up the fact that Ottawa is a transforming team, and that's in large part due to the draft capital. 
that uh, they have uh, acquired by tearing down their team. Let's segue into the NHL draft and uh, talk a little bit about what the Peng- what the Pittsburgh Penguins were able to do with the limited number of draft picks that they had at their disposal. And we'll preface this segment and um, by saying that, Jim, I don't think you and I are uh, prospect experts and really experts in scouting uh, future NHL talent. So, and you know, a lot of these picks, um, especially where the Penguins are picking, are long t- are oftentimes crapshoots. You don't know how uh, these prospects are often going to develop really once you get past the first round. So I don't think we're going to spend a whole lot of time talking about these uh, these players in great detail, but we, we should bring it up nonetheless. And Jim, uh, I believe you wrote it up on Pensburg that I think this goal, this this draft, this 2020 draft, will largely be remembered for the Penguins, just solely based on the fact of who their first two picks were, going goalies back to back picks in round two and three. Very unusual, something that I did not expect. Um, you would think, Jim, that the Penguins were would go and maybe restock the cupboards with forward and defense help, but uh, that that was obviously not the case. Not, not the case, rather. Uh, Round two, pick number 52, they go with goalie, and I apologize in advance if I butcher these European names, uh, Joel Bloomquist, uh, they go with him. Round three, pick number 77, another goalie, Callie Klang, or yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with Callie Klang. Uh, you can, Jim, you can step in and correct me if you know these pronunciations better than I do. Uh, round four, pick 108, uh, forward Lucas Svejkovsky. Round five, pick number 149, winger uh, oh boy, Ravis, Rivas Ansons, and uh, round six, pick number 170, what would be their final pick in the 2020 draft, forward American Chase Yoder. So um, Jim, like, you, um, like we said, I don't know if you have really any information on these picks, but I think what I'll say here, unless we want to move into the next segment, if you want to put a bow on this NHL draft, um, it's nice that the Penguins were able to restock the cupboards with some bodies. You know, you know, maybe the fourth, fifth, sixth round picks, those kinds of talents who aren't projected to really make an impact at the NHL level. You know, maybe down the line you get lucky and they turn into your your Scott Wilsons, your Brian Rust type players. You, you never know. It's always a crapshoot, in my opinion. So, uh, Jim, I'll leave the floor to you if you have anything else you want to add on the Penguins' activity during the 2020 NHL draft. That's a pretty good recap of things. And the NHL draft is just impossible a day or two after it to say what happened because people will put out their grades. But you really don't know until three, four, five years down the line what's going to happen. And so that's why I don't think there's a lot of utility in – going through it with a fine-tooth comb too much because the results is just so much is up in the air and so much is undecided and still to be determined. It is interesting, like you were saying, that they would go goalie-goalie in round two and round three. But um, you look at it, and Joel Bloomquist is the number one goalie in Finland right now for his age group, and he's already playing in the top SM Liga, the top Finnish league, which is very impressive at age 18. So... We'll see how it goes from there. Goalies, you know, usually takes them till age 22, 23, et cetera, to get to the NHL. There's a long path ahead, which for a team like the Penguins, why are they drafting goalies that won't be probably able to contribute for four or five years when the team isn't at that part? That's that's a good point. But 
you know, you just got to take the best player available, the best player your scouts think is on the board at the time. And if it was goalie goalie, which it clearly was, then you take them and you move on because the Penguins prospect goalie is non-existent right now at this point. So they need that too. They needed everything. And I guess we'll just see, hopefully, you know, if these guys develop into the next wave, like Christian Jari, Tristan Jari was a second round pick. Matt Murray was a third round pick. If these two guys, three, four or five years down the road are the, the next Murray and the next Jari that the Penguins have, then that's a good thing. If they aren't, then we'll move on. And yeah, like you said, the three fours, they got the bottom of the line uh, in the draft. You're just hoping they could be like the Scott Wilsons, the Josh Archibalds, those like lower end players that pop up, maybe play on your fourth line. If they develop more than that, it's a huge bonus. If they never even make it that far, then that's the law of averages. Say some of them will as well. So that's all it is. Um, it's fun to track the, the prospects as they move along through their junior leagues or the NCAA ranks. So, yeah, we'll just check on these guys every once in a while, I guess, and see see where they go from here. And uh, we will do just that, keep an eye on these very intriguing prospects and what was a very intriguing 2020 NHL draft. Flipping the switch now, Jim, I think we should devote an entire segment to the the, the next thing we're going to talk about. And that is perhaps maybe second to Matt Murray leaving the team. Uh, it depends on how you look at the team and, and, and you know, where you think the pros and cons, uh, the positives and negatives are in terms of the, the, how the team is built. But um, certainly one of the bigger transactions of the Penguins offseason has been that defenseman Jack Johnson has been bought out by the Pittsburgh Penguins. He was placed on waivers. He has been completely bought out. Uh, he is no longer a part of the Pittsburgh Penguins organization after a, a very controversial, I, I guess you could call it controversial, just because of his on-ice performance, uh, two-year stint with the Pittsburgh Penguins. Um, Jim, I, I think this was a long time coming. We, we, we didn't know how we were going to get to the finish line, but Jim Rutherford came out after the Penguins were eliminated, and... He was, he, it sounded like he was more non-committal than usual to Jack Johnson's place in the lineup. Uh, we don't know if there were heavy trade negotiations, if he was going to be included in a package. Obviously, that did not come to fruition. So the Penguins, I believe, Jim, you can correct me if I'm wrong here, this was the first time in franchise history that the Penguins have used uh, a buyout on one of their players so Jack Johnson is no longer a Pittsburgh Penguin. Uh, many fans, I'm sure, will rejoice in the fact that he is no longer a Pittsburgh Penguin. I wish all the best to Jack. Uh, certainly, I've said before on this show that, you know, I'm sure he's a swell guy. He really didn't do anything wrong. You know, I think, Jim, you and I would have signed that contract for that length and that term, all of that money. But he is no longer on the team. The Penguins will – uh, his some of his salary will count against the Penguins for the next six years – uh, it'll be fluctuating between one to two million dollars for of dead cap for the next six years, but um, J Jack Johnson is no longer a Pittsburgh Penguin. Strictly looking at the the on ice impact of Jack Johnson no longer being on this team, how does this impact the Penguins moving forward, getting out of Jack Johnson's contract? You would think addition by subtraction to remove the worst player on the team, but we'll have to see because. One thing you didn't mention was that the Penguins brought in Mike Matheson on left side defense as well. And while he's a different player in a different style than Jack Johnson, he's also struggled at times mightily, and he has a large contract himself. 
So I think that kind of sets them up for what could be trouble to move one bad contract for another. But Matheson is much younger than Jack Johnson. He has a lot more skill. He can do some things well, whereas Jack Johnson really wasn't functioning that well at all as an NHL player anymore. So in that regard, it'll be better. But the Penguins kind of box themselves into a corner by taking on six more years of Mike Matheson. So we'll have to see how that goes because they're going to need him to play better than he did in Florida. But um, yeah, the Jack Johnson contract, I think everyone really knew it was a big mistake from the very beginning. And now that mistake is fixed, but it's going to cost them six years of dead cap space moving forward. And it cost them two years of very bad play on the ice. So yeah, it's over, but it's not really going away for a long time too. You know, I, I think, I guess if you want to find a way to justify it to an extent, I mean, um, when talking about the, 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 the mistake that was partially fixed, you could put an asterisk by that because obviously the, the dead cap space could be an issue down the line. I don't think it will. I don't think many in the Penguins organization right now are focused on uh, what's going to happen with the team three, four, five, six years down the line, as they shouldn't be. I think, I think uh, rightfully so, the focus should be put on the fact that we're going to try and maximize the last remaining years of an effective Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin. But, you know, for those that like to look forward and, and um, you know, look down the road and see what team, the team makeup may be a couple of years down the road, it could be a little bit of an issue. And, uh, Jim, on the on the flip side there, uh, you, you brought up the fact that Mike Matheson is now a member of the, the Pittsburgh Penguins. And uh, in doing so, we can talk about this trade, uh, the trade that sent longtime fan favorite forward Patrick Hornquist to the Florida Panthers for defenseman Mike Matheson and forward Colton Sevior. Um, like you said, Jim, I guess it's a little bit of uh, addition by subtraction, uh, but let's focus on Patrick Hornquist if you want to for uh, a couple of minutes. And, and I, I think, Jim, if I'm not mistaken, Patrick Hornquist was uh, Jim Rutherford's first trade, first transaction, I believe, uh, when he took over the general manager role of the Penguins uh, I believe in 2014. Uh, so uh, it was very, very, um, we, we knew the Penguins were, were going to shed salary. We kind of had a feeling that maybe Hornquist might be one of those players because of his uh, five plus million dollar cap hit. And unfortunately for Hornquist fans and Penguins fans, uh, Hornquist, who has been an instrumental part to this team, is now with the Florida Panthers. Uh, Jim, uh, what are your thoughts? I guess overall thoughts on. I mean, you've already met, you've already brought up um, uh, Mike Matheson and his potential impact on the defense. But seeing Patrick Hornquist go to a different team for the first time in six years, like I said, Hornquist instrumental to the two Stanley Cup runs the Penguins had. Uh, Jim, uh, I guess well, I'll let you put your final thoughts on on the the forward the the gritty monster that was Patrick Hornquist. It's a shame to see that his his time I guess kind of ran its course in Pittsburgh just like with Matt Murray and Patrick Hornquist two huge pieces of those cup runs now moving on it's just I guess NHL things don't stay the same for long and the first thing that kind of caught my I was something you mentioned earlier in the show where you said Jim Rutherford's goal was to get younger and faster this offseason. They get rid of Jack Johnson, who was the oldest defenseman on the team. 
Patrick Hornquist was the oldest forward on the team besides Evgeny Malkin, so they got rid of him. They get rid of Nick Bukestad, who at age 28 isn't really that old, but all the surgeries he's had, and he's a big guy, so he's not necessarily a very fast skater. They get rid of him. That, that'll that trim some age and certainly some foot speed. You, you would think they'll gain no matter who they sign. So to me, it was just kind of Jim Rutherford sticking to his plan. He, he wanted to get younger. And you can't get younger when you keep a guy like Hornquist, who's about to turn 33 on New Year's Day, which is around when the um, season's going to start. Or excuse me, he's going to turn 34, which is even older. And for his style, having three years left on a $5.3 million cap hit, that, that's a lot. And can you trade him next year at this time if it's a two years left on a $5.3 million cap hit and he's about to turn 35? I don't know if you even can, so... I think that's kind of like what they did with Phil Kessel. They kind of realized, hey, if we're going to trade this guy, we got to do it now because he's not going to age well, and then we're going to be stuck with him. And like I said earlier, well, now they're kind of stuck with Matheson instead. But I think that's a risk worth taking because Matheson is at least younger. And sometimes players, when they trade teams, when they trade systems, when they get a new coach, they can play better. We saw that with Matt Niskanen. He played a lot better coming to Pittsburgh. Justin Schultz certainly revived his career coming to the pen. So I think the Penguins just got to hope they can get more out of Matheson than what he's shown yet. Obviously, he is who he is as a player. He's not going to suddenly turn into Bobby Orr out there or anything. But I think the Pens hope that they can kind of revive Matheson, get him going up to speed. And whoever they replace Hornquist with in the forward group is going to be somebody younger. So that accomplishes that goal they were they had set for themselves there as well. And, uh, Jim, I think that's a perfect segue into what will be the first question in the mailbag segment. But before we get to there, let me tell you about this mailbag segment. If you're a first-time listener or a long-time listener and you are interested in submitting a question for our mailbag segment, you can do so by following our Pensburg Podcast Twitter account, at Pensburg Pod. And uh, whenever, uh, like we said, we're in a little bit of a lull period here, we don't know exactly when the NHL will, will kick off it's 2020-2021 season. Uh, we assume, Jim, I think we've had discussions earlier that, you know, uh, if the Penguins make some rather meaningful, other meaningful roster transactions between now and the start of the new year, we'll probably have maybe one or two, maybe three podcasts. Maybe we'll do one a month. I know we kind of fell off in uh, September, but I, di- I digress. Um, the Pen- the Pensburg Podcast Twitter account is where you can go and submit your questions for the mailbag. Jim, like always, you get first crack at the mailbag segment here. Stephen Whitehouse, he says, with such a busy offseason already for the Penguins, what other moves can they realistically make to set them up to be a contender for next season? Hi, Stephen. Um, like you point, realistically is a good point because the Penguins have $4.7 million in cap space. And they're still going to want to bring back Sam Lafferty, who won't eat up a lot of that, but he'll take a little piece. Uh, So they're not going to be able to really do a lot, nor do I think they want to. I wrote earlier this week about Vinny Heinestroza. I would really like him. I think he he can be a good player, and he was a really good player in Chicago. Arizona's a tough situation, and he didn't have a good year there, so maybe you can buy low on him. So that's a guy, I think, because the Penguins' third line right now, look, they they need some stuff. You'd think Jared McCann's playing there, but then is Brandon Tanev going to play there? He doesn't really score a lot. Is Teddy Bluger going to take a step up? That would be cool. I I wouldn't hate that. Um, And Dominic Cahoon, 
also an unrestricted free agent now that the Buffalo Sabres didn't give a qualifying offer to. I don't know if Cahoon would have interest in coming back to Pittsburgh since they traded him a few months ago and what's to stop him from trading him again. But if he was interested in coming back, I would think he could be a pretty good fit too to play on the second line, third line, wherever you need him and kind of give a little more secondary options. Did anyone stand out to you, Garrett, or did Uh, you not think about this one? I'm looking at the specifically right now. I'm, I'm, I've pulled up all of the the centermen who uh, will be unrestricted free agents heading into uh, free agent frenzy, and um, I'm doing so with an asterisk because we know the Penguins have four to five million right now in cap space, and judging on what Jim Rutherford has said, he, the Penguins likely won't spend to the cap limit. So I'm trying to see. Um, based on last year's salary figures for a lot of these players, you brought up uh, – uh, where is Hinnestro- – you brought up Vinny Hinnestroza. His cap hit for last season was 1.5 mil. Um, you know, I, I don't know how much money these players are going to command when they hit the open market uh, when free agency begins. I'm looking I, – I, I've heard people like Eric Howla. He, he had a cap hit last year of 2.75 uh, Andreas Athanasiu was a guy that Adam Gretz wrote for Pensburg. That was a guy that he uh, was interested in possibly bringing on. Uh, Alex Venberg, uh, I believe it was he bought out by the Blue Jackets. Or yes, was he, he was. He so he that yeah. was that's another name. But he had a he had a cap hit a 2019-20 cap hit of 4.9 mil. I don't know if he's going to command somewhere around that range again no i think he'd be way under that i think a a lot of those guys when the market opens are going to have to accept a lot less because there was almost 70 players who didn't get qualifying offers more got bought out alex weinberg last year only scored five goals in 57 games he scored two goals in 75 games the year behind that i kind of like him because he is only 26 years old he's a former first round pick he had one good year I, i think he would be good in kind of that that lower line role to see what he has. That That's one I think that could be a decent fit if it's there. I don't know for sure if it'll happen, but that's one that kind of intrigues me for the right price. I think Jim, we kind of like, we, we kind of accidentally answered the, the, the yeah, next question. We stumbled into that one. So, uh, <laughs> so let me ask it for you. Noah Kerr says, who's your dream third line center? The Penguins could reasonably get, you know, um, uh, look, look, you know, looking at this list, we've already brought up a couple of names: Wenberg, uh, Athens, C.U. Howla. Um, you, you like Henestrosa? I don't have a problem with Henestrosa. 26 years old, had a little bit of a down year. You know, 1.5 mil cap hit last year. Uh, like you said, Jim, to your point, a lot of these players probably won't be commanding high salaries just based on where they stand and where the rest of the league stands. Once you get down lower, you get down to the lower cap hit players, players that really haven't really made much of an impact or they're minor league players at best. I, you know, I see Sam Lafferty on this list. Um, Tyler Ennis maybe could be a decent depth guy. He had, what, uh, 30, I think 37 points in 70 games last year, if I'm reading this stat line correctly. Um, so those are the players that, would probably interest me the most. I'm with the Penguins not wanting to spend towards the salary cap, um, the salary cap limit. I, I'm looking at these players who, you know, might be interesting. I guess you could call them buy low candidates uh, for s- someone who could plop in on the third or fourth line and maybe maybe have a little bit of a rebound year. 
Jim, I, I know you kind of uh, brought up Hinnestrosa as maybe your guy that you're backing. I don't know if you have anyone else on, on a free agent list that, that yeah, caught your eye. Hinnestrosa, he's listed as a center sometimes, but the past two years he's played wing, so he'd be more of a wing option there, which I don't know if that means Jared McCann would be the center, which that might turn people off. Um, a name I kind of like who didn't get qualified is Nick Cousins from formerly of the Vegas golden knights i think he's a he can be a good third fourth line center or kind of a, a grind guy with some energy that that catches my eye just looking around the league like zemgus gergensen's from buffalo shows and flashes um i don't know again i think that's a situation maybe you get him out of buffalo he plays better but he's probably better as a fourth liner than a third our old friend riley shahan's gonna be out there and I don't know if he has enough in the tank, and he's definitely better as a fourth liner than a third. So, yeah, the pickings will be slim, too, as we're kind of alluding to, if everyone hasn't picked up on that. So we'll have to see. Eric Hall is out there, but he had a bad knee injury and hasn't quite been the same. I don't know if he's a guy. Lucas Walmark will be out there as well. He could be a candidate. He didn't get qualified. But like you said, buy low guys. Usually that means there's something wrong with them. If you're buying low, they have some kind of flaw or they're coming off a bad year or, you know, there's a reason why that they're available and available usually for cheap. And that's a risk. So we'll have to see if, if they dip into that and I guess hope whoever they pick can do something good. All right. Well, Jim, I, I'm looking at the outline and I, I totally forgot to add the name of the person who submitted this question when I copied and pasted into my notes. Uh, but if you're listening and you ask this question, you know who you are. So, Jim, you get the third question. Should the third line provide offense or defense mentality, considering we pretty much know what the other lines bring to the table? That's a great question, whoever you are out there. Thanks for submitting it, even though Garrett didn't name check you. <laughs> um, it's it's very interesting, and it, I think it depends on what the Penguins want to do, because last year with the buzzsaw line, Zach Aston-Reese, Teddy Bluger, Brandon Tanev, those guys played such a defensive role, and they did really well at it, that all the other lines got used with offense-heavy starts because you had that one line just eat all the defense. and. That was a real advantage for the Pens. And now, what do they want to do to follow up on that? Do they keep that line more or less together? Aston Reese will probably be hurt to start the season. But do they keep Bluger and Tanev on the third line? I've seen some talk that maybe they'll want to give Tanev a crack at the third line, which I'm not a big fan of because I don't think Tanev can score anyways on that much to be on a third line. So if Tanev's on your third line... I think it's going to have a defensive mentality, and I think that probably hurts because you have a player like Jared McCann who doesn't have a defensive mentality. So I think ideally it would be more offensive-based, maybe some of the guys we mentioned in the question before, like if they could add a Heinestroza or even a Halla or a Walmart to play with McCann, then it'll be a more offensive-based third line. But if they have more grinders or checkers like Bluger and Tanev on the third line, then I think... You, we all know the answer. That's going to be more of a defensive line. All right. Our fourth and final question comes to us from our pal, Commander Kern, who says, do you think the Pens can make a cup run in the 2021 season, or are we entering a rebuilding phase, whether whether or not JR likes it or not? Uh, so thanks, Commander Kern, for the question. Jim Rutherford said that this was not a rebuild. Rather, it is a retooling of his of his team. And uh, – I don't think I don't think that the 2021 season will be labeled as a rebuild for the Penguins. I think as long as Crosby and Malkin 
and Latang are on this team playing at a high level, I don't think the Penguins are going to be rebuilding. You know, if if Crosby and Malkin are playing into and Latang, we'll see if Latang finishes career finishes his career on the Penguins. I don't know if that's going to be the case. That's a story for another time. If Crosby and Malkin are you know into their like age 37, 38, 39 season. If if they're at that point and you know they're obviously visibly slowing down, they're not the players that they obviously once were. You know maybe that's the time where you you look at your roster and say, all right, it, it's it's time we start start heavily investing and in, maybe heavily investing in draft capital and younger players. Stop trading away your first round picks for for chances at Stanley Cup glory. Commander, to get back to the original point of the question, I don't think this is going to be a rebuilding season for the Penguins. I think, Jim, like Jim Rutherford said, it's going to be a little bit of a retool on the fly. A lot of the core that has been there for the last couple of years is still going to be there, uh, adding a couple of fresh faces, obviously, as well. Crosby and Malkin, Gensel, Latang. They're counting on Tristan Jari to be the guy. Kasperi Kapanen and Jason Zucker, you know, we, we know what this team, for the most part, is going to look like. I personally think that this team does have a chance to compete for a Stanley Cup. Uh, whether this team can make a deep enough run and topple the likes of of the the, the Bruins and the recent champions, uh, Tampa Bay Lightning, uh, maybe even the Toronto Maple Leafs. You know, we poke fun at them for not being able to get past the first round, but I think talent wins out in the end. So maybe this is the year that they put those pieces together and make a run for it. Uh, and even, you know, looking at the Metropolitan Division, I think the Metropolitan Division seemingly always gets tougher. So the Penguins are going to have competition within their own division um, to fight for that one, two, or three spot that we're always accustomed to seeing the Penguins in, uh, in the division. So um, this was a really long-winded answer to me probably saying that, yeah, I think they're going to compete for a championship or try to at least. I don't think this is a rebuilding year, um, at least not yet. I think we're still a couple of years away from the Penguins fully embracing a rebuild. So, uh, Jim, do you have any thoughts you want to add to Commander's question before uh, we wrap up this this Pennsburg podcast? Well put. Yeah, they traded their first-round pick next year for Jason Zucker, so they have nothing to rebuild for right now. I mean, what are you going to do, have a bad year next year and not have a good draft pick? Their their chips are all in. They traded their 2020 pick for Kasperi Kapanen. They traded their 2021 pick for Zucker just in the past few months here. So this is very much a team still going for it, trying to reload not rebuild and trying to compete. And I mean, look, the Penguins were seventh in the league in points percentage before the stoppage, despite being really banged up and really hurt and getting some questionable goaltending from Matt Murray. So this team is still a pretty good team. I know they lost early in the playoffs, but that was in a bubble in a five game series. And, you know, there was a lot of craziness going on then. So I, I think the Penguins are still set up well to what you said, Garrett. It's going to be tough. A lot, a lot of the league is lumped together now, especially the Rangers getting Lafreniere and all the stuff they have. The Flyers are on the upswing. The Islanders are strong. The Capitals are still good. It's going to be a tough division, but the Penguins are right there contending for the playoffs and to go deep in the playoffs. That's all their goal is, and that's what they're going to try to do. Yep, that's all you can ask for, Jim. Uh, thanks to everyone who submitted a question for the mailbag. Uh Jim, I think that's it, unless you have anything else you want to add before we completely wrap up and say goodbye for now. Nope, that's it. Free agent frenzy, and hopefully for the first time in three years, the Penguins don't make a incredibly head-scratching signing. And 
I think we're going to luck out this time. I, I think that it's going to be a drama-free day on Friday today and for free agencies. And when's the last time we've had that? Yeah, I, I agree with the Jim. Fingers crossed. We don't we don't get a, a, a repeat scenario of a Jack Johnson or a Matt, Matt Hunwick or Antti Niemi kind of free agent signing. But uh, for Jim Rixner, Hooks Orpik, I have been Garrett Bahanna. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Pensburg Podcast, and we'll catch you next time.